0: Chapter Fifteen of the Tysons by May Sinclair. This in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Fifteen, Conflagration. To see his wife casually in a crowd and to fall desperately in love with her for the second time was a unique experience even in Tyson's life, but it had its danger. He had never been jealous before now a feeling very like jealousy had been roused by seeing her with stanistreet he had followed her to the criterion he had hurried out before the end of the piece and hung about ridge mount gardens till he had seen her homecoming stanistreet's immediate departure was a relief to a certain anxiety that he was base enough to feel and still there remained a vague suspicion and discomfort he had to begin all over again with her in their first courtship she was a child in their second she was a woman hitherto the creature of a day she had seemed to spring into life afresh every morning without a memory of yesterday or a thought of to-morrow she had had no past not even an innocent one and now he had no notion what experiences she might not have accumulated during this year in which he had left her that was her past and they had the future before them they had been alone together for three days three days and three nights of happiness and on the evening of the fourth day tyson had found her reading yes actually reading he sat down opposite to her to watch the curious sight perhaps she had said to herself some day i shall be old and very likely i shall be ugly if i am stupid too he will be bored and perhaps he will leave me so now i am going to be his intellectual companion he was amused just as stanistreet had been i say i can't have that you know what have you got there she held up her book without speaking othello of all things in the world shakespeare i thought so when a woman's in a damned bad temper she always reads shakespeare or locke on the human understanding come out of that though mrs Neville tyson set her little teeth very hard the corners of her mouth and eyes curled with mischief it was delicious to feel that she could torment Neville to know that she had so much power and while she pretended to read she played with the pearl necklace she wore it was one shade with the white of her beautiful throat who gave you those pearls she made no answer but her hand dropped a little consciously he had given them to her that afternoon remarking with rather questionable taste that they were a wedding present for the second mrs Neville tyson he leant over her chair and assailed her with questions to which no answer came to which no answer was possible punctuating his periods with kisses are you a conundrum or a fiend or a metaphysical system and if so why do you wear a pink frock are you a young woman who prefers a dead poet to a living husband are you a young woman at all or only a dear little sweet little pink little strawberry iceberg he lay down on the sofa as if overcome by unutterable fatigue just as you like he murmured faintly you'll be sorry for this some day shakespeare is immortal i most unfortunately am not he got up and threw the window open he ramped about the room soliloquizing as he went never even in the last days of their engagement had she seen him so restless but she was not going to speak yet not she he stopped before the chimney-piece it was covered with ridiculous objects the things that please a child there were swiss cowbells and stags carved in wood chinese idols that wagged their heads little images of performing cats teacups a whole shelf full of toys not one of them but had some minute fragment of his wife's personality adhering to it he remembered the insane impulse that came upon him last year to smash them sweep the lot of them on to the floor tonight he could have kissed them cried over them what affecting absurdity that was the way he went on and now he sat down by her writing-table and was taking things up and examining them while he talked he never never forgot the expression of a certain brass porcupine that was somehow a penwiper it seemed to belong to a world gone mad where everything was something else where porcupines were penwipers and his wife for suddenly his tongue had stopped he had caught sight of an enormous bunch of hot-house flowers in a vase on the floor by the writing-table stanistreet's card was in the midst of the bunch and a note from stanistreet lay open on the writing-table there was an ominous pause while tyson read it it was curt enough only an offer of flowers and a ticket for the lyceum stanistreet's mind must have been seriously off its balance otherwise he would never have done this clumsy thing tyson strode to his wife's chair and tossed the letter into her lap how long has stanistreet been paying you these little attentions she looked up smiling i am not sure that she did not think this new tone of tyson's was part of the game they were playing together she had never taken him seriously ever since he found out that i liked them i suppose did it not occur to you that the things you like are rather expensive luxuries some of them no perhaps that's why i hardly ever get them my dear girl i know the precise amount of stanistreet's income money can't be any object to him but perhaps you've a soul above boxes at the criterion and champagne suppers afterwards and the rest of it i have unfortunately but there wasn't any champagne her indifferent voice gave the lie to her beating pulses between playing and fighting there is only a difference of degree will you kindly tell me why you selected stanistreet of all people for this business i didn't select him he was always there and if it hadn't been stanistreet it would have been somebody else i see i hope you appreciate the peculiar advantages of his society i do louis is a gentleman though he is your friend he knows how to talk to women if he doesn't it is not for want of practice i could swallow all this molly if you were a little girl just out of the schoolroom but i-i don't think you've much to learn mrs neville tyson's eyes flashed the play had turned to deadly earnest not much thanks to you said she her voice sank louis was good to me was he good to you how extremely touching pray were you good to him no no she shook her head remorsefully I wish i had been tyson knitted his brows and looked at her he had not quite made up his mind you know i don't altogether believe in your refreshing naivete stanistreet is not good to pretty women for nothing i know and you know that a woman who has been seen with him as you apparently have been is not supposed to have a character to lose she rose to her feet and faced him how could you oh how could you he shrank from her without the least attempt to conceal his repulsion if you look in the glass you'll see she turned mechanically and saw the reflection of her face all flushed as it was and distorted the eyes fierce with passion it was like the sudden leaping forth of her soul and mrs neville tyson's soul after three days intercourse with her husbands was not a thing to trust implicitly without sinning it seemed unconsciously to reflect his sin I cannot tell you how that was marriage is a great mystery she understood him though imperfectly she understood many things now oh he was right she looked the part no wonder that he hated her she sat down and covered her face with her hands as if to shut out that momentary vision of herself herself and not herself what she saw was something that had never been but it was something that might be herself as tyson alone had power to make her all this came to her as an unexplained confused terror a trouble of the nerves there was no reasoning no idea it was all too new but if she did not understand her own misery she understood vaguely what he had said to her she got up and went to her writing-table where a letter lay folded ready for its envelope she gave it to him without a word do you mean me to read this he asked yes if you like she answered without looking at him apparently she was absorbed in addressing her envelope he opened the letter gingerly and read in his wife's schoolgirl handwriting dear louis it's awfully good of you but i'm afraid i can't go with you to the lyceum to-morrow night so i return the ticket with many thanks in case you want to give it to somebody else Neville has come home why of course you saw him and i am so happy and i want all my time for him i thought you'd like to know this I'm sure he will be delighted to see you whenever you like to call yours sincerely molly tyson p s thanks awfully for the lovely flowers you can smell them all over the flat come here you fool he said gently but mrs neville tyson was stamping her envelope with great deliberation and care she handed it to him at arm's length and darted away he heard her turning the key in her bedroom door with a determined click he read her letter over again twice the ridiculous little phrases convinced him of the groundlessness of his suspicion punctuation would have argued premeditation and premeditation guilt Neville has come home why of course you saw him she had actually forgotten that stanistreet had been there on the evening of his arrival he laughed so hard that mrs Neville tyson heard him in her bedroom an hour later he heard her softly unlocking her door he smiled she might be as innocent as she pleased but she had made him make a cursed fool of himself and he meant that she should suffer for that he threw stanistreet's flowers out of the window put molly's note up in its envelope and sent it to the post then he sat down to think mrs Neville tyson's room was opposite the one she had just left she stood for a moment before her looking-glass studying her own reflection she took off her pearl necklace and spanned her white throat with her tiny hands and as she looked she was glad when all was said and done she looked beautiful beautiful after her small fashion she turned this way and that to make perfectly sure of the fact she had realized long ago how much her hold on neville's affections depended on it his love had waxed and waned with her beauty well she opened her door before getting into bed and for the next hour she lay listening and wondering She saw the line of light at the top of the drawing-room door disappear as the big lamp went out. It was followed by a fainter streak. Neville must have lit the little lamp on the table by the window. Oh dear, he was going to sit up then. She heard him go into the dining-room beyond and stumble against things. Then came the spurt of a match followed by the clinking of glasses. He was only going to have a smoke and a drink. She waited a little while longer. Then she called to him there was no answer he must be dozing on the couch in the dining-room a light wind lifted the carpet at the door and she wondered drowsily whether Neville had left the drawing-room window open he had done all that she supposed and more first of all he drank a little more than was good for him this happened occasionally now then he sat down and wrote what he thought was a very terse and biting letter to stanistreet in which he said you needn't call you will not find either of us at home at ridgemount gardens from may to august nor at Thornytoft from august to may and if you should happen to meet my wife anywhere in public you will oblige me greatly by cutting her this letter he left on the table outside for postage in the morning then he went back to the dining-room and drank a great deal more than was good for him of course he left the drawing-room window open and the lamp burning and by midnight he was sleeping heavily in the adjoining room and the wind got up in the night it played with the muslin curtains flinging them out like streamers into the room played with the flimsy parasol lampshade until it tilted and the little lamp was thrown onto the floor mrs neville tyson woke with a light crash she got up for a moment then got out of bed crossed the passage and opened the drawing-room door a warm wind puffed in her face the air was full of black flakes flying through a red rain a stream of fire ran along the floor crests of flames leapt and quivered over the steady blue undercurrent and over there in the corner an absurd little armchair had caught fire all by itself the flames had peeled off its satin covering like a skin and were slowly consuming the horsehair stuffing the pitiable object sent out great puffs and clouds of smoke that writhed in agonized spirals the tiny room had become a battlefield of dissolute forces but as yet none of the solid furniture was touched it was a superficial conflagration mrs Neville tyson saw nothing but the stream of fire that ran between her and the room where Neville lay she picked up her skirt and waded through it barefoot a spark flung from the burning draperies settled on the wide flapping frills of her nightgown Neville was fast asleep with the rug over him and his mouth open she shook him with one hand and with the other she tried to beat down her flaming capes was he never going to wake she was afraid to move but by dropping forward on her knees she could just reach some soda water on the table she dashed it over his face the fire had hurt the soles of her feet now it had caught her breast her throat her hair it rose flaming round her head and she cried aloud in her terror still clutching neville's sleeve she staggered and fell across him and he woke he woke dazed but he had sense enough to roll her in the rug and crush the flames out end of chapter 15 recording by expatriate in bangor maine